0: This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by PowerSwap. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. What is up, everyone? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I am your host, Charlie Shrem, and we are listening and watching together Untold Stories, where twice a week we get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders, brightest crayons on the box, those who are really in the trenches building, and then At the same time, we're having the regulators, policymakers, politicians, and then everyone in between to truly understand where we are in this global societal shift. You know, people are already looking back at the early 2010s of Bitcoin as like the same as the early days of the internet. But that implies that we're in the first decade or two in this crazy shift. And that makes a lot of people excited, but it also scares a lot of people. But together here... We unpack it all. We unravel it all. We figure out how we could protect ourselves, how we can make a lot of money and figure out where the hell this is all going and happy Monday. I really appreciate my guest today. Weso. Thank you so much. Beefy finance from coming on untold stories today. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Yeah. Excited to chat.
0: You, this is the first time you've ever made an appearance publicly. You've ever shown uh, your face on audio. Uh, but Beefy Finance is is a marquee project. It's been around a while now. Uh, most people I know that I talked to about it have heard of it. Yield optimization. You guys are on the forefront. Uh, tell me, kind of like how you were feeling up until today, and 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 why you decided to to do that.
1: Yeah. So interesting enough, the Beefy developed as uh, with a bunch of anonymous contributors and founders, and so it stayed that way. And I mean. Technically, we're all, you know, at least pseudo anonymous um, in the crypto space. But we know as we became larger, and we wanted to start doing conventions and starting to like get in front of more people, um, especially like, you know, marquee partnerships. So you're talking about like big exchanges and so on and so forth. Somebody has to sort of at least dox in some way or some capacity so that, you know, they can put a face to whatever the project name is, uh, especially so much. And so all the kind of drama that's been kind of going on in the crypto space with you know, uh, anonymous devs coming out to be, you know, somebody who they, you know, people didn't think they were and causing a lot of uproar. Um, but so I'm going to go to now the, a lot of these conventions and I'm going to be, you know, in person, people and partners to meet with me and, and talk to me. So I felt, you know, uh, hey, if I want to come on and talk to you, I might as well <laughs> show my face.
0: Yeah, no, that's it's supposed to be the first time. It's really important, uh, but it's, it's really important to be, to have, you know, public facing, especially uh, with all the people out there, but at the same time, I think it's also very important to preserve your privacy. And there shouldn't be an automatic like assumption that because you decide to be behind a a a uh, a private identity on the internet, that it's automatically a negative thing. Now we see both sides. We see obviously Satoshi is is one of the perfect examples of why it, morally, maybe philosophically, ideologically, it's good to remain anonymous. But at the same time, we saw with Wonderland last week, the one of the founders there who was potentially had keys to the treasury of a of a of a a DeFi very big DeFi NFT project um, was one of the 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 creators of Quadriga CX, which you know everyone knows the back Canadian exchange. The guy ran off with a hundred million or so dollars, and there's been books written, podcasts, New York Times bestsellers. I don't need to go down that road. So there's definitely. Like a balance, but even going back to my early days at BitInstant, we put our faces on the website. And I remember uh, most exchanges didn't and one of the, and like Bittrex and BitPay did. And a lot of people, I had people coming to my parents' house where I was living just to ask me about Bitcoin. And I was like, so it wasn't a negative thing, but it was like an uncomfortable thing.
1: That's the thing, right? So we're all developing something. We're developing like financial tools, right? (laughs) Essentially. And so... You know, it, it's easier to be anonymous, right? Especially because you're dealing with like around the like, you know, the globe, uh, you know, a whole bunch of different contributors and, and people who wanna, you know, uh you, use your protocol. But then like let's say something happens, right? And if you're not anonymous and you're the only docs person on the team, then sort of like you're the target. Oh, so yeah. you you put like a, a layer of risk um especially, you know, being a DAO, we're not, we don't really exist in a jurisdiction, right? So like, there's nowhere in the world you could say is like Beefy's incorporated. You know, we're just kind of a global organization that a whole bunch of people come together and and are building together. And, uh, you know, for that, like, depending on, you know, who's known within that organization, you know, if somebody or a government or, you know, a user or somebody wants to, you know, get after somebody, you know, the person who's docs is the person who's most, most at risk, right? Because it's easier to, you know, to come after them. So it's that layer of complexity, I guess, with, you know, with some of these non-teams, you know, that's why you don't really want to come out, right? Like you want to continue to build, but we're in a very gray area when it comes to like regulation. So we're not exactly sure, you know, what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do. So we're just kind of like building and, you know, hopefully regulation will kind of figure itself out. But um You know, depending on where you are in the world, means it could also mean how important it is for you to kind of stay anonymous.
0: I saw just this morning, I saw or it was yesterday that BuzzFeed was doxing the doxed the um, creators of the Board Ape Yacht Club, the Board Ape Yacht Club. And the question is, is that journalism or doxing? And for my listeners, can you actually define the word doxing? What does that What does that term mean, and where does it come from?
1: Yeah. I don't know how it originated. <laughs>
0: See, I don't know where it originated either. You have yeah. documents like doxing.
1: Yeah, so like I you're... guess like, really it's just like somebody like giving up your identity. Right. Like, cause I'm anonymously known as, you know, Wesso and, in and, and all of the groups I'm in. So whether I'm in telegram or talking to partners or on uh, um, Twitter or in our discord, you know, they just know me as, you know, Wesso, right? They don't really know who my identity is. And I think that when you go and you dox somebody, it's like giving that information up. And I don't really think it's the right of, you know, journalism to be able to just do that. (laughs) Like, I think that should be something that, you know, there's a reason somebody's anonymous, you know, so give the person the ability to dox themselves if they want to dox themselves. I think that should be their right. But, Um, It's It's definitely,
0: (laughs) yeah, it's definitely one of those arguments that one of those debates that you can't really, you can't really give it a fair shake unless you've personally gone through it yourself. And unless you're in the spot that you are in, let's talk about Beefy Finance for a second. You're the strategic partnership lead there. You've been developer at Beefy for for a while. Um, You're with the team expanding your partnerships. Um, And for those who don't know uh beefy is a decentralized multi-chain yield optimizer you have it right there uh it allows your users to, <laughs> it allows your users to um earn interest on crypto holdings essentially by depositing to these type of vaults where nothing is locked in and it uh you guys you guys go out and through all different smart contracts across 10 blockchains over 700 vaults i think it's like over a billion dollars Total value locked across all these different blockchains. You guys are doing the uh, the yield farming for the user because most people aren't for the same reason. They're not going to go out farming their own food. Most people aren't going to be yield farming because there's a lot of money to be made there, but it's a lot of hard work too.
1: Yeah, I mean we're making the experience just much easier for people. Um, so when you interact with uh, DeFi and you're like yield farming, right? You're usually getting an asset that's maybe depreciating in value because a lot of these Um, protocols are printing out, you know, high emission tokens. So you're earning this reward, right? This yield, but then, you know, it's continuously depreciating in value because it's being highly inflated. And so what Beefy does is give you the ability to like, you know, deposit whatever asset. you know, it could be a single asset like Ethereum or or Bitcoin or something like that. Um, Or it could be like a uh, LP position. and you deposit in, you just get more of whatever you deposited. You don't earn some, you know, high inflation uh, yield token. You just earn more whatever you deposit. So we give you the magic ability of you know one, you know you don't have to deal with any of the transactions that would be doing that manual process yourself. Uh, and then two is the ability to, you know you, to take advantage of compounding, which is giving you exponential returns.
0: Compounding. Most people don't understand even. Uh, uh, I think it was Warren Buffett who said that compounding interest is like. The best way to get wealthy over a long a long period of time uh and I, I agree with that a lot um just keeping your crypto you know and that's why i think that uh defy on bitcoin is gonna be huge for the next year or two as well
1: yeah i mean like DeFi in general yeah <laughs> it's still like it's a baby uh we just talked about you were talking like in the lead-in about uh you know uh, the, the boom of like the internet. And then like, you know, Bitcoin and it's like, well, DeFi in itself is only, I mean, maybe a year and a half old since like comp started rewarding yeah, people for, for putting on comp. So, um, you know, it's still really, really early on. And so we're seeing like, you know, little different explosions in, in different parts of DeFi, right? There's, you know, Ethereum had an explosion when it was a whole bunch of different protocols coming in, bringing in like traditional finance products. And all of a sudden you can do that. In a decentralized finance, you know, fashion, and then now we're seeing okay. Well, this boom of all these different blockchains, you know, either you know layer ones or you know layer twos, and you know, so there's all this like you know, then DeFi protocols that are moving into you know less expensive transactions into these other blockchains, and you know, the opportunity then is all you know booming there since there's all these new protocols, and so it's it's uh you know we're going to see, I think, continued development. I think we're going to see more advanced product uh, products, more mature products, um, you know, more traditional finance type products, uh, as like the innovation continues to develop and and all the protocols are starting to play on top of each other. And so that's going to be everywhere. I mean, it's going to be you know any chain that can you know gives you the ability to create smart contracts and the ability to program. Um, you know, you're going to see all the innovation start to happen again.
0: The total, the total like market cap of of all crypto, excluding excluding Bitcoin, is like. Two trillion dollars, including Bitcoin. It's from. It's less than three. Three trillion dollars. The total value of like just the American real estate industry is like thirty trillion dollars. Just that one industry. A lot of naysayers believe that DeFi yields won't exist even a year or two from now because a lot of it is like what you not what you said, but kind of what I'm thinking is like storm chasing, right? Little explosions, kind of. And you guys are the storm chasers. Getting the yields, bringing it in for the users, and then being able to launch as many vaults as possible, and you're like following that. But the naysayers with the yields can't explain why traditional finance is only offering one to two, one percent to retail, yet you can get earn seven to eight to nine percent with yield farming, even with CFI, even with centralized. Finance now, like on Voyager, you can earn nine percent, or you can earn five percent on right. on Bitcoin or whatever it is. So even CFI can offer these yields. I think because they can't explain the fact that all of that yield that's going to, to to traditional finance, where is that going? It's it's going. It's not going anywhere, and that's why there will always be an opportunity.
1: Yeah, I also think that the like tokenomics and like the distribution is going to change a little bit. So. Right now, it's a lot of bootstrapping, right? Like, you know, you launch your token and part of like the distribution period is that you're going to, you know, bootstrap people interacting with your protocol. So you can start to like, you know, incentivize that by giving them, you know, a distribution of your token. Um, But I think what we're going to see is more and more protocols will act sort of like how Beefy does where, um, you know, all like a portion of our earnings, uh, 3% of our, well, it'd be like 60, almost 70% of our earnings gets distributed to our stakers. So all of a sudden, like, hey, if you can start to, if your protocol is used a lot and you're earning a lot, um, you could start to then distribute those earnings to keep incentivizing, you know, whatever the liquidity is. And then all of a sudden, you can, you know, you're stopping the printing of whatever the asset is. So I think that, like, you know, as these protocols become used more and more, money is flowing through them. You know, we could see a shift between, uh, you know, just being able to print to incentivize liquidity to, like, all of a sudden now utilizing the actual earnings from the protocol themselves to Continue to incentivize liquidity.
0: What makes Beefy different than the a lot of the other kind of yield aggregating platforms?
1: Yeah. So number one is safety. <laughs>
0: That's a huge thing.
1: Yeah. So uh, it, it's something that like we identify as the main thing that we look at. So when we are talking to all these different protocols, all these different networks, uh, you know, there's a lot of analysis that goes into you know whoever we're interacting with. So if you're a part you know a partner protocol and you want to come in. Uh, Beyond Beefy, or have Beefy as your yield optimizer, um, you know we have to go through like a complete like audit process of your contract code, um, you know even your tokenomics, like you know who's in control of your you know the line share, who can supply. Um, so we do a lot of safety checks uh, for things that we've seen in our experience. So it's we've been, I think we launched in September of 2020, so we're a year and a half old, which is, uh, I guess in. DeFi space like one of the ogs right
0: that's a long time for, <laughs> yeah. for a DeFi company yeah
1: um so we've, we've been through and we've seen so many contracts and, and dealt with like so many similar contracts since most of them are majority like you know forking after each other and then maybe adding you know some code base so you know we're looking at the same kind of contracts and looking for loopholes and and ways for the uh, uh protocols to i guess like rug
0: <laughs> have but you found any we, we
1: like Sorry, we we uh, they have to go through our whole audit process, get our okay in order for us to even, you know, partner with them.
0: Have you found any major problems with blockchains, and you've told them about it, and they've not wanted to change or whatever?
1: So not blockchains, but protocols um, that we've worked with. Uh, we've had there's a lot of um, protocols that have like centralized control over certain functions, so they can just move your assets, right, or they can make changes to the code base without really telling anybody. And so, um, you know, through like upgrading a proxy contract or something like that. So we we tell them, hey, like that's, you know, not secure. They need to have like some sort of like time lock or or security in place so that if for some reason there was like a update to the contract and it was going to impact like our vaults or it was gonna impact our users, um, you know, there's at least some time for people to react. Um, otherwise, if if there is none, what we've actually seen is is people just leave like a, a regular address and control these centralized functions, right? And they're like, well, it's a developer address. Oh my god! And then they open an email, <laughs> and someone steals the private keys, and then they have complete. The hacker has complete control over the protocol. Yeah, and and it's happened like multiple times.
0: All the time, it's been happening for ten years in in this industry. These type of yeah. things.
1: So, so we when we're talking to these protocols, I'm like, well, it's not about like just the trust in you guys, right? Like you as developers, like that's not even the the hard part. Is the okay? Well, what happens if somebody gets in control of your private keys, you know, and and takes control of your protocol? That's that's the flaw. That's the security flaw. And also, like crypto is supposed to be trustless, right? So we can try to create as much of a trustless atmosphere as possible.
0: The whole point of having open source code. The whole point of of doing this thing is so you. It's not that. You don't want to trust the person. It's why we're we're building this whole thing. So you don't have to trust people because we all make mistakes. Right. So I kind of see, I don't remember like Elizabeth Warren a few months ago. She's like, I don't want to leave the future of finance in the hands of shadowy super coders. Maybe this was what she was alluding to was that you have super coders, you know, but at the same time, uh, we're, we're imperfect. We're humans. We're imperfect beings. So it's like just removing the ability from us to screw up ourselves is yeah. so important. But let me ask you a simple, a really stupid question. Is there any, like, is there any way my listeners can, can look out for themselves? Because there are thousands of different projects now, protocols, blockchains.
1: The first thing you should do is uh, if you're going to interact with a contract, so you can go through like the documentation of whatever the protocol is that you're interacting with it's at least good to read through the docs and know what you're actually doing <laughs> so that's the number one thing we get like a, a ton of users come in and they're like uh they just have so many questions which is great but like you should read through the docs so that you can kind of understand okay well I know that what a amm does or I know what a yield optimizer does and, and, and get under understand what you're doing and what you're interacting with but in there they should have like at least your con the contracts right and you should just verify that the code's actually verified like on the chain so it's like you know, you can actually see what the code is that people are interacting yeah. with. A lot of people like to hide behind that, so they won't verify their code, and they'll play, claim it as like, you know, we don't want to uh, give a competitive advantage or something to somebody else. But I mean, <laughs> you have to trust now that that code yeah. has nothing in it that is malicious, and nobody can verify. Like, you can't trust another protocol to go and verify for you that can actually read Solidity, right? Uh, because we can't even see the code base. Maybe their, their code isn't, on GitHub is not open source. So like, make sure they have verified contract code. Um, I'd say like, you know, some of them have audits. That's proven to be like, not the best way to check things.
0: <laughs> the auditors themselves have issues, yeah.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, at least somebody else has like, actually reviewed some of the code. <laughs> but we've, we've seen plenty of protocols have issues, even if they're audited. <laughs>
0: so. But you don't know what you don't know. That's the, right. that's the problem especially now, which is why you can earn yields because you're building the plumbing now to replace every industry. That's why so many blockchains exist. We're replacing, and they need to be custom built and custom tweaked to be able to do different things better. There are trade-off decentralization versus centralization trade-offs. But like you said, it's so early. For at least the next decade, these things are going to be bootstrapped. And they're not all going to be owned by big tech, at least in the beginning. A lot of them will surprised you don't see more big tech chains or maybe big tech is realizing that like not having people trusting you is potentially better business model which is great uh but yeah it's it's kind of crazy have you developed like a safety score mechanism or something yes i don't we just have you seen our v2 interface no no okay
1: (laughs) so so we have uh we're building out our v2 interface we have been for a while but um what we've been trying to do is we, we understand that we have a variety of different users, right? We have ones that are very advanced, ones that are you know, very large, I guess, like wallets, small wallets, we have users that are not advanced. <laughs> so uh, what we've been trying to do is, is create a interface that gives everybody what they need. So um, we have in our V2 interface, a safety score. So depending on each of the vaults, it will go through whether or not like uh, somebody has been audited uh, whether the uh, code base is like you know uh, been used a lot, so it's you know it has strength in, in the amount of time that it's actually been out there and not been manipulated, um whether the assets themselves are like micro assets, so they're very uh you know can fluctuate a lot in price or they're like big uh, blue chips like Ethereum and Bitcoin. so we have a safety score that kind of rates each of the different vaults on uh like I guess what BP would describe as you know the you know safer investment options. And then we also have uh, charts that show historical APY. So if you're like, this return just seems too good to be true, which sometimes it is, right? I mean, especially if you're getting a early bootstrap period, you you can see returns on beefy of like, you know, trillion, quadrillion percent APY or something like that. But uh, in general, if like you're looking for like a a more like long-term, you know, investment on like stables or something, You can go on and see historical chart of how the APY has been fluctuating uh, over the course of like a month or a year or something like that uh, to see, you know, historically, is the APY going to stay consistently at 20% or if I'm just getting in this now and then it's going to drop like in a week to like 10%, uh, I can kind of give you some historical records for that. So the V2 interface is supposed to give you like a ton of investment information so that you can go in, I think, make, you know, uh... Good intelligent decision on you know whatever the product is that you uh, actually want to
0: invest in. That's really so, wonderful. Yeah, it's more information, especially with the APY volatility. You definitely see like sometimes it could be crazy, but then sometimes it could be like a a good flat base. And it's funny because uh, it's in the best interest of these protocols to work with you because as an investor, whether it be like personally or part of a fund, I'm looking for percent staked. I'm looking for what percent of this token is staked on some sort of token economic lever system to protect against bear markets. Do you think that bear markets will be different now because these protocols have these built in systems for people to like long-term financially plan for their, for their, like how they view the price of the token?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, bear markets aren't great for anybody. (laughs) but i in general like the whole space is kind of a little bit different and i think it's funny cuz you're you're talking a little bit about like you know the i don't know i guess you can kind of say we've been sort of
0: in a yeah whatever this is this last two months
1: yeah. but uh, you know like at beefy you know it really hasn't affected our TBL because we have such a large uh, ability or a large uh, amount of options for stable vaults so when people wanted to flee like more volatile assets they just deposited in stables so like you know, our TVL hasn't really fluctuated. It's made, remained pretty consistent of like right around a billion, a little over a billion. And um, I think like, you know, as you know, what we were just talking about, there's so much innovation still happening. um, And so many like new protocols that are coming on, you know, coming on board, there's going to still be like a lot of money that wants to, you know, get in and, and be part of this. So I just don't see like, you know, I think the bear market would have a hard time because of the amount of opportunity right now still going on. Um, so maybe we'll have bear markets certain assets, but I think as a you know the whole space in general is going to continue to keep building. I mean, we have so we have thirteen chains now. If 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 it exists and uh, as a, as a blockchain with opportunity, Beefy's on it.
0: <laughs> but, Why know uh,
1: Ethereum? Th- it's coming. But we we wanted to make sure that um,
0: I like that. No, you don't need Ethereum. There's so much opportunity everywhere else. Let other people deal with Ethereum. You know, it's funny. It's funny because
1: so many people are like, "Win Ethereum," and it's like, "Well, we, I'm just more curious." We're the, we're the player everywhere else. So it's like, you know, we've kind of made our name in being the yield optimizer These on cool, every yeah. other chain, right? And so much so that. All these new networks that want to come on or that are starting, right, and and need to get like protocols over there to to help bootstrap their ecosystem, want beefy. So it's like you know now it's we're on thirteen. We have like four or five that already are saying, hey, we're launching in the next you know like five six months. We want you to be on. So we're continuously having this like um, you know this drive to continue to build and continue to expand on all these other chains for Ethereum. You know, that we're going over there, we're a yield optimizer, similar to some of the other ones that are over there, like, you know, I guess, like, Harvest and and Pickle and Urine. and um, They all do something a little bit different. Uh, So, but we're going over there to compete with everybody, right? And we have a low fee structure. Our fees are, like, 4.5% compared to, like, you know, I think some over there on Ethereum are, like, 20%.
0: Okay, So, so, like, yeah.
1: So, I mean, we'd have, like, I guess the competitive advantage in in fees, but then we're like, you know, it's expensive transactions. We have to build out our whole infrastructure to make sure that, you know, our deployment costs are lower. And so it's just, it's a lot more than just, hey, like, let's flip a switch and get over there. We just want to make sure that everything's, you know, 100% correct if we're going to go and develop there. Plus, we have, like I said, you know, only a limited amount of developer resources. So if we have all this opportunity on new blockchain, um, you know, it's it's hard to, to verify which one's going to be the better opportunity.
0: Sorry to interrupt your regular scheduled programming, but I wanted to tell you guys that if you're using PancakeSwap, Uniswap, DYDX, SushiSwap, you're doing it wrong. You need to be using Paraswap because PowerSwap is a user interface, a decentralized smart contract platform that sits on top of all of these. And when you go to Paraswap or untoldstories.link forward slash PowerSwap, because they're refunding your gas. If you go there, then you'll be able to, on top of Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain and Polygon, look for the best prices for your tokens and swap and do everything in one predefined transaction on chain. Instead of having to do the approval to this token, to that token, to do all these different things, Paraswap does it all for you. It's decentralized. They just released their API version 5 that you can see everything. It's all open source. Very cool stuff. Untoldstories.link. Forward slash paraswap. If you're using any of the other decentralized protocols, you're doing it wrong because you need to be using the routing, beautiful paraswap routing system. And it's fully decentralized too. It's gorgeous. Talk to you guys soon. Okay, so so I'm on I'm on Beefy and I'm on the uh I'm on Polygon and Paraswap which is one of our sponsors, love them, been sponsored for over a year. Great, great company, great people. I think I've had them on the show twice. So you have a pool here, the Matic LP, where I can buy the token or add, I could buy the token directly there. I'm assuming for other stuff, there's a swap function built in. And then I can add liquidity. So what is this specific LP token? What would I normally be doing with it? And then what essentially, can you tell me, like, do you guys or what does the pool vault do with it, and then how does that affect PowerSwap as a company?
1: Okay, we'll we'll start with this is so
0: cool. We're explaining we'll... DeFi yield optimization yeah, to people.
1: Yeah. So we'll start with what like yield farming in general, right? So uh, I think that one's what QuickSwap pool.
0: Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Quick swap. So.
1: So for QuickSwap, um, so you get like I think it's Matic PSP, right? Is the the token? So. You would have to, you know, Paraswap has their token in order for people to trade PSP on QuickSwap. um, You know, there needs to be liquidity. There needs to be, you know, people to pool together, you know, Matic and PSP so that you can trade out of PSP into Matic if you wanted or to whatever else you wanted. So people go and they provide 50% of each, right? 50% of PSP and 50% of Matic. And then they create this liquidity pool token that people can trade in and out of. So if you wanted to trade Matic for PSP, you can. If you want to trade psp it's matic you can and that's pretty much how the amms work
0: and the lp token is a is an is it an, an erc 20 token or yeah. is it a yeah okay. so then if that you represents 50 percent. okay yeah
1: you would hold then that position of or that amount of you know the lp that is provided on a quick slot. and so with that you know uh in order to i guess incentivize people to create the lp position so there's enough liquidity for people to trade in and out of the position, uh, QuickSop will offer a farm and they'll reward you. I think they're rewarding in D-Quick, which is their uh, revenue uh, producing version of quick. Right. And so as a farmer, you didn't, you know, you've created now this like liquidity pool token and you deposit it into the yield farm and you earn d on the side.
0: Okay. Which, which is, is good. Most people itself, don't right? want D-Quick or they may, they may want D-Quick. D- but at the end of the day, they may want just back the original OG token.
1: Yeah. I mean, let's say that you're you're farming it because you believe in Paraswap. It diversifies your risk a little bit, right? Because it's like 50, 50% of each. And you have to kind of look up what impermanent loss is because, you know, uh, increase in one of the, the asset prices, you know, kind of gives you impermanent loss. So. You have to kind of look up like what that means to you and how that kind of affects you. So, but because the assets aren't going to always be equalized.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Um. But like, let's say you deposit, you know, so now you have you know that that option right, and you're earning quick, But you're you know Paraswap Maxi, right? And you, that's really what you care about. You don't really you want the Deequip token. Um. So with Beefy, you can do two things. You can either deposit the LP that you created right into Beefy, and what we'll do is. Grab, harvest the D-quick rewards will then convert it to more of the with uh, PSP Matic uh, LP position and then deposit it into the farm to continue to add you know, more liquidity. And then your position in beefy continues to grow in value of PSP Matic. So you continue to earn more of what you deposited instead of the D-quick on the side. And at an exponential rate, since your deposited value is continuing to increase.
0: So- What you just explained, that has been happening in institutional capital and Wall Street to the tune of trillions of dollars a year, let's just say, globally. But for a very, very few select people, probably a few thousand people around the world, directly earn income from traditional liquidity farming and things like that. And so the the future of tomorrow that we're talking about Is what you're doing is by rebuilding these rails, it creates win, win, win situations for everyone because the loser are the incumbents and the winners are anyone who's involved, but from any angle, you don't have to almost don't have to choose a winner. You just have to say, I'm not going to be ignorant. I understand this technology. I understand, you know, how the internet, how TCIP works, how that evolves society and I understand where we are now. That's what the mindset is, right?
1: Yeah. I mean if you think about it from every like every angle, right? So QuickSwap loves it because you're continuing to add more liquidity and trade volume to QuickSwap, which means that they continue to earn fees. Uh, Paraswap loves it because you're adding more liquidity for Paraswap Matic, which means that um, money can trade in and out with like less price impact on the token. And then uh, you know, users love it because instead of just earning Simple interest and in Deequ on the side. Now they're earning compounded interest and they're earning more token tokenmatic. So it's like a win-win-win for everybody who's involved in the process. Uh, it's just giving creating this like I guess free environment for people to trade in and out of assets. Um, it helps like if you're an upstart and you you know can't. It, I remember 2017. You know when the whole uh, ICO thing was going on and it was really important for you to get on a centralized exchange, right? Like you, you had to like, it was like all of a sudden, like everybody's like, yeah, you couldn't get on exchange.
0: Yeah. You you had to
1: like, you know, basically go or like, you know, give up all this money to be able to get listed. And then if you're on a centralized exchange, it would do, you know, great things for your token price. But if you couldn't get listed or you got listed on like some, you know, not high volume exchange, it kind of was like the death of your protocol. This, this whole like decentralized exchange thing that Uniswap started, let's like all of these protocols like to basically come on and i guess through emissions at least at first they can kind of bootstrap themselves so you don't have to rely on a centralized exchange you can just do it yourself you can go add liquidity or you know make a partnership with you know one of these exchanges and, and see if you can you know incentivize you know the liquidity pool so it's freeing from, that,
0: from yeah that. Like freeing for innovation, at least how will this affect like have you do you think about how this will affect like insurance products or companies' ability to start up a supply chain somewhere or like um, what like institutional capital with stock and 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 you know underwriting investment banking is this, is this going to change how we do all of that i mean institutions are already using it <laughs> like, True. there you go
1: they, i mean they're already they're already using you know products like i'm sure ours and, and nerd and, and stuff like that because you know yeah it is as long as you prove yourself as to be secure and that like investable thing and and we actually have um we're talking about like a insurance on the crypto side there's like smart contract insurance we have a partner with uh, insureace that's like insuring our vaults so we have like these added layer of security protection that like encourages i think you know institution hedge funds and stuff like that to you know use PP to generate higher yields and i think you're going to see more and more kind of get in the game uh when it comes to that but yeah. I mean, the opportunities are kind of, endless, and really, I mean, we're talking, we're talking here. And I think there's like only probably a portion really kind of understand all of this. Right. Yeah. And that's even on the, on um, you know, traditional finance side.
0: If you've, you know, I, I tell people, yeah. if you've made it this far into the show and, and still understand like most of what we're talking about, you are like the crypto 1%. Uh, this is not easy stuff. We're learning it as we, as we talk about it, which is why this show exists. I didn't want to be a, uh, Vanilla, like explaining things at a very high level. This is a show for industry folks. If you work in the industry, you're listening to this because we're talking to other people. This is the development of, the, of, of crypto right here talking, wargaming, coming up with ideas and, and, and things. How many good ideas? And what's cool about it is that I see so many new businesses launching as DAOs. In fact, this show will probably be owned by a DAO in the future. Uh, Yeah, like a DAO will come along and offer to buy it or something like that. Well, it's not for sale, but that's the future. DAOs are going to buy up IP, media rights. They're going to buy everything. They're going to own from Blockbuster DAO to Constitution DAO. I, I really, really need to understand more. And I think regulators need to understand more of like the new type of LLC, how this would all work do you guys have a DAO? Do you run a DAO?
1: Yeah, we're DAO. We're actually, so if you want to look at like actual DAOs, right? So a lot of people tell, they say that they're a DAO, but they're really not run like a DAO. <laughs> they're just a couple, couple people that are like making, you know, decisions. Um, you know, so we actually had four founding members that created Beefy, And the goal was always to like hand it off and have the DAO run it. And so I'm not one of the four uh, original founders. I came on in uh, February of last year as a developer, just like wanting to contribute. And um, the four founding members are no longer part of like Really? Like one, um, yeah, one of them stays on like mentorship capacity, but the others have like, you know, left and, and moved on and they've handed it off as a DAO to the community. So everybody who runs Beefy right now is a contributor. And we've even started to implement, you know, contributor, um, you know, monthly kind of like reoc- uh, re- reoccurring contributor funding. So we can kind of like pay our contributors. Uh we do bounty programs. Uh everything that's like has to do with our treasury is voted on. Um, we actually just had like there's a whole phantom thing going on with like uh Andre's uh solidly project. <laughs> so yeah. We actually had an AMA today because we're having we're gonna have a, a major vote on what we're supposed to do is one of the protocols to receive the NFT from from Andre. So um, you know, we're trying to be very engaging. We'll have like, you know, uh Twitter posts about you know DAO, important DAO votes. So we're trying to be the DAO, you know, that sets the standard of like how this is supposed to be done, right? Like so, relying on the community contributors in order to continue to move the DAO along. Um, you know, making sure that our treasury fund, uh, you know, decisions are, you know, open and transparent, so that and then it's controlled by like a multi sig of like seven community members to make sure that if any of the transactions are going through, they're legitimate. Um, so it's like a check and balances type of system. So you rely a little bit on the core contributor base to say, hey, we, we understand that this team is, you know, wants to continue to develop everything and we trust them. But at the same time, there's the checks and balances from the community, making sure that we're supposed to be doing the right things, that we're spending the treasury in the right way. Um, so, but it, it's a continued development. I think DAOs are, you know, just as early as everything else, we're going to continue to like, you know, grow and, and learn how to, how to run things, but it's a little bit difficult.
0: <laughs> so if you've, if you've built a reputation, a good one in the industry. And you've worked for like, you know, the founders for beefy now. Go do something else. Their dot ETH NFT identity. Let's just say they weren't doxed. Their dot ETH NFT identity, or maybe they're use unstoppable domains and they have like a dot wallet or dot NFT, but you have an NFT that represents your identity now. And you've attached your, you've attached your integrity, you've attached your honesty. But you've attached your lifetime reputation now to this identity. In fact, you could argue that the founders of Beefy, their NFT identities have more value than their in-real-life identities. Going back to the first part of the show that we were talking about, doxing, is doxing almost going to be something that we won't even talk about in 10 years? Because identities will be more, uh, it'll be more important to have your identity have online reputation? Do you kind of see where I'm getting with this question?
1: Yeah, I mean, 100%. Like, you know, it, people, they're known people, right, within crypto. So, like, you know, as like they continue to build, other, you know, if they wanted to move on and do another project, you have that reputation now, right? <laughs> like, you know, so I, I think, uh, you know, that you kind of become that is your identity in, 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 a, in a way, like you're not your docs for, you know, actual name and, and everything lesser value because you know you're really like your anonymous persona is is who you are now right so yeah i think in 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 a sense that is true and i think that's why like this whole like you know unfortunately the wonderland stuff kind of put you know what set this whole thing backwards where like you okay well maybe we shouldn't trust a non but there's a lot of us doing it that are just trying to build right
0: you almost are happy though it's almost a good thing though that that the community itself self-regulated him out in that, in that situation. It wasn't the media. It was like the industry it was Reddit. It was the community, you know, and it was it did very good, you know, journalism work, but I guess it was better that it wasn't like an arrest from the regulator. Rather. It was like us being like, Hey, we recognize that this guy potentially is negative here. Let's let the Dow vote him out. You know, like if this is the conversations that we're having, I think that's a very positive thing.
1: Yeah, I mean they made the right decision, right? Because you can't have somebody who's been charged with fraud so many times yeah. being in charge of a, you know, was it was it's like seven hundred million dollar treasure? Mm-hmm. So, I I mean that's just insanity. Um, but you know, I think like you know that came up to like the Dow had to, you know, come up with the decision to do that, and and I think they made the right
0: very choice. Very important. Yeah.
1: You know that's also. The DAO has to be able to to do that, right? So that's what I'm talking about. Where people say that they're a DAO, and the DAO can vote on something, and it just, just doesn't get executed, then it's not yeah.
0: really a DAO. So. That would be kind of funny, like how that would work out if it wasn't <laughs> if it wasn't the DAO, right? Weso, hey. thank you so much for for taking the time and coming on Untold Stories, kind of bringing it back. Uh, this is a very interesting conversation talking about identity and management, or what is more important. If maybe it's like the fact that. We care about reputation, integrity. That's the important stuff. And how to like transfer that from here to, to there, I think that's what we're going through and we're figuring all that out. So thank, thanks for, for talking about Beefy today and, and, and having a great conversation. I hope to have you back in a year from now to see where you guys, it's gonna be crazy, like a year from now, two years deep. There's enough to talk about next
1: week, but a lot of yeah. years. So, yeah, no, it's been fun.
0: Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>